Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 8th of April 2018. Where I live here, there's been about oh, almost three feet of snow in the last week and a half, perhaps. Two big dumps, and uh, this is April. We're getting into April, you see. And we're getting longer and longer winters now, where I am, because of global warming. Isn't that amazing, eh? Double thinking, double speaking, all the rest of it. Because we're getting really conned into a big, big, big uh, mind game. And it's to do with eugenics. I've said it so many times before that eugenics is behind everything. Because how do you control the world? How do you control the whole world? How do you control and profit off a whole world? And it's order out of chaos. The chaos being the unlightened masses who do their ordinary things. They, they run around to try to enjoy themselves and work and, and just exist, etc. and have some fun here and there. But the big boys don't see that as profitable. They've got to make sure that they get more and more profit from you. So you must give them scary scenarios of, of, of impending doom and gloom or annihilation. And they can tax and tax and tax them. And then you give yourself, especially under warfare or terrorism, which is the same kind of thing, you can, you can really take away any kind of rights and freedoms from them. And they'll tend to obey you because you think if they don't obey you, some bad guy, some boogeyman's going to kill them all. Very old technique, of course, well documented amongst their own writings, by the way, in different military academies. And we're living through it again. But eugenics, really, it all comes way back to eugenics. Back in the 1800s, we had lots and lots of oh, writings put out by those who were starting up the big eugenics movement. And what would they do with the overpopulation, the Malthusian idea, with their graphs and charts? Graphs and charts are awfully good for convincing people to give up all their freedoms. And they still use them yet in everything that you read, really, from the United Nations about depopulation and too many people and so on. And they keep giving the same kind of charts. Malthus basically had it worked out that within 30 years of him, him publishing his writings, we'd be all be standing on top of each other, be too many people. And, and they'd all starve to death, wouldn't be enough food supply. All nonsense and bogus, but it's, it's, it's a good terror tactic that's still used today on all of us. H.G. Wells, another propagandist basically for the ruling elite, said the same thing. He was all for culling down the population, sterilization, etc. Of the, the, the unwashed masses. And it's awfully interesting to go into the, the, the big cities that pushed all of this, the, the so-called advanced civilizations. H.G. Wells said in one of his writings, he says, look at the people, the masses. You're some of the working classes. And remember, when, he, when he, he was talking about this, it was the late 1800s. Really, still in the midst of the, what was called laissez-faire capitalism at the time, and industrialists. No welfare system, no relief for most folk, except through churches, etc. And poverty was right. There was poor houses. They put you into poor houses if you hit hard times, and most folk didn't live very long in them. It was a well-established fact that they died pretty quickly. And... That was normal for the time. That's what they tell you. That was normal for the time. One thing you have to always remember is that everything's always normal for the time. And being human, we have a, an ability 
to simply grasp other folks' ideas of what normal is, especially those who rule you. Most folk today think they're free, but they're, they're ruled. They're ruled by a system which is all around them, which they don't even understand at times. But if you take London, for instance, there was so much written about at the time by a few people, but lots of, of works written about the poverty and the misfortune of folk dying at work, um, uh, wives were getting left with no money, and children sick and all the rest of it. Death was a, it's a normal thing uh, for the poor. Uh, and, even, and the poor didn't have to be unemployed. <laughs> a lot of them were actually employed at the lowliest jobs and the lowliest wages, and that was all taken as a normal way to be by those who had the money. That's why I really can't stand, I never could stand, these old period pieces the BBC was awfully fond of putting out there. But it, and sure enough, you can look at the old things and the old carriages and horses and things like that. But the fact is, it was pretty much a horror show for a lot of people. And those who were in the working classes at the bottom lived in constant fear of losing their jobs or getting sick. Constant fear. And for those who've never had that kind of problem of worrying, you can just put yourself in that position. You could never be really, really relaxed at any time because you're always worried what was going to happen or what could happen. And because of it too, the, the bosses and factories and, and big businesses treated the peasants like, like exactly that, peasants. It was nasty. Lots of articles written about lots of books written about about the 16-hour-a-day works uh, shifts that they did, the, the people. And even the, the meetings by, say, landowners associations and land, landlords associations to do with if they give the people more time to themselves, less work hours, in other words, under 16 hours a, a day, they might cause mischief. They might get together and start complaining about things. And if they start complaining about things that the brighter ones might start to work plans out to. In other words, unions, before they had the word for the union even, uh, they were worried that this kind of thing could happen. And they try to find, devise means and ways to bring in the system of less work or less hours, put that way, uh, and occupy their time. And turned out penny novels, for instance, made sure there's a basic, basic reading education, but not too extensive. They didn't want people to know too much about history or anything else because they might understand something really stank in their own system. It was not a happy system at all. Countries like Britain were famous for their empire building. Other countries did it too. Holland did it. And again, they had a massive fleet at one time too. They were occupying uh, other countries as well, empire building. France was at it. Everybody was at it. Germany tried, but they kept getting put down by other countries that worked in combination to keep them out of places like Africa and so on. But that was the era of conquering, just conquer, and, and power was raw power. And if you had the raw power, you could do what you wanted pretty well, whether it was in the business world, in the countries, uh, or in the political world, just using your countries as an extension of business, in fact. In fact, the, the country and the government was a business. And that's how things really were. Nothing has really changed. The camouflage of, of, of what's really behind it is pretty good today. So most folk don't know it's really still there. But eugenics, as I say, going back to it, like Wells said, what, what you help the poor and, and, and what happens if you help them and you give them food? Well, they get healthier and they breed. 
That's, that was his big complaint. They would breed. See, there was no debate whatsoever amongst the classes at that time that there were, were such a thing as classes. <laughs> and uh, the mass of the people were in the bottom class. That's, that's how they saw it. So you've you, you got to understand that that's not that long ago, in a sense. That continued into the 20th century for a good part of it. And as Britain went down the hill with its world wars, getting dragged into them, and having a, an empire to still run, it's very costly. And especially when only a few people, really a relatively few people, were reaping the benefits of this empire system. The upper class were reaping it, of course, and the corporations which they owned. The general population simply staffed the armies that were sent across the planet. It was really pretty cheap, actually, uh, because the soldiers weren't paid much. And it was a renewable energy source. They kept getting killed and they kept getting replaced by the poor. That's how the whole system really ran. Now today, for instance, if you, with the internet and with the, because libraries too, don't ever just toss your library out there, out of your idea of, of research. You should go into your libraries too. You might get something if they haven't tossed all the old books out. A lot of them have, actually. But they had a lot of good information on extensive histories and parts of histories. But also, too, in reference sections, you, you would have societies that were your establishment with the people who owned your system, who were the establishment involved in all these different societies, etc. It wasn't just the Royal Society, which was a Freemasonic institution that had the Freemasons in it. Everything that was anything for governing the people in any way at all was basically under the Freemasonic institution including the religion, by the way. And that's why if you go to St. Paul's Cathedral and these different places throughout London, which some are still doing today, doing the same old tours that we did before, years and years and years and years ago, you'll see the, the, the Compton Square up in the roof and uh, in different places, and all seeing eye all over the place too. What I'm saying is, everything around you is controlled by a system. Everybody who was in the system of control was part of that system. They were initiated into it too. The profane, which are as the masses, are in the dark. They're in the dark. They, they can't see what's going on. They think they do, but they don't. There's always something else going on. Something else being covered up. And when you into the, the, the ideas of the societies, and people, people get scared of it. Oh my God, it's occult, oh, it's magic, and so on. You understand that most of the sects of what's called Freemasonry, with all of his sects today, uh, are not as much into what you, you think is magic. They're into understanding and knowing the little secrets. That's all. And they're useful tools, right down to the bottom level, of keeping the system going and never questioning orders from above. That's awfully important, like a military. And when you went to the system, as I say, you'll, you'll see their symbols all around you, everywhere. Everything. Any institution that there's anything at all with control or power or propaganda is part of it. That's how the system is run.
But the profane are the people in chaos, as they say. Order up chaos. Order out of chaos. Therefore, they, they actually legitimize themselves. People who do the wrong on people are awfully, awfully good at legitimizing why they have to take control over situations and rule people. They're awfully good at that. Individuals can do it very easily. In personal relationships, you know, I'm doing this because you did blah, blah, blah. Same kind of thing. A human trait. And you, you look at the systems of those who get the freebie handouts and the perks and the privileges, as I like to call it, of those in the system over the rest of the public. Now, the public, if they knew about it, would, would call it corrupt. But again, the perpetrators don't see it that way. They, you need them, you see. You need them to take care of things. And it's best you don't know what's going on because you'd never understand it. That, that's what they tell you. You'll often hear about the Bohemian Grove, for instance, and being the big, big uh, to-do place for those in the societies that run governments and countries in all parts of commerce and so on. Big, big do's, big bashes, as you call them, where the boys get together and play at being boys, no matter how old, old they happen to be. They're well taken care of and protected by uh, your tax money because you mustn't get near them being profane and all. And every so often they'll bring somebody in uh, and add them to the collection of managers. And they have the basically the same ceremonies as, it, as they have the Beaming Grove in England, different parts of it. There's another one too in the Solange River. There's a, an island there that's very famous for the same kind of thing. But they've had the same thing in, in Britain forever too. Same thing, statues of owls, of course, wisdom. But it's also for those who can see in the dark. The symbols of themselves. You are the dark, you're the profane, you can't see what's going on. And they can see in the dark. They can see through and they get the meaning. You, you won't get the meaning because you don't understand. That's what they say. Quite simple, really. And if you serve the system awfully, awfully well, and you help to change on behalf of the big order of things, for the better for themselves by convincing the public to give up their old ideas or whatever it happens to be, then you put in one of their, their temples. You're entombed in their temples or cathedrals and because you're a god. That's the house of God. And only gods can live there. So you're entombed in the temple of God as a god. Because that's what they say. For those who don't quite get it. I gave lectures on this back in the, in the late 90s about what is a god, debate what a god is. And a god, according to the reason of man, but by using your reason, right, what you can do as a person. If you've got power, you can have power over life and death. Other people's lives, and, and of course it's going to be their deaths too. <laughs> And you have power over so many things. Who will get born? Who will not get born? That's an awfully powerful thing when you think about it, isn't it? And people work at this kind of thing all the time, deciding who gets born and making a living, awfully good living, off the ones who don't get born. <laughs> Quite some. We take it all for granted, don't we? Because we're taught now it's normal. So if it's there when you're born into the system, then it must be normal. 
And if you're alive before it became normal, uh, you're acclimatized to it gradually until, until you accept it. Again, the whole thing is that those who are profane supposedly are collective minds in a sense. The idea being that they won't work through anything for themselves. They'll simply accept what's given to them and appears to be the majority opinion. That's why you have polls and things like that to try to convince you. And lots of articles convince you, well, everybody else accepts this. So, well, I guess it's okay then. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. But the same thing goes for those who are in the organizations or systems which rule over us. They also will get, and very quickly often, uh, the little bribe to take something in the system from off the people. Oh, don't worry about that. You just fill your own pocket here and fill your pocket there. That's how it's done, your little privilege. And you'll say, well, that's wrong. It's not really mine to take. It's a, it's a public. No, no, no. The rest of them are doing it too. They'll call it payments for this and payments for that. So it sounds much better than theft. Again, human traits. Awfully, roughly good at rationalizing that kind of thing. If you're involved yourself, that is. And it's easier to do it, to say, if, if all those above you that you're taught to respect are doing the same kind of thing. If you knew that the, the incredible amounts of money that the politicians get for even private interviews and things, well, they're politicians. It would floor you. Never mind all that. Do you really think, do you really, really think that anybody goes into politics to help the people? Do you really still believe that? Do you? Really? I've said so many times, if, if, if voting people in worked for the people, you'd be living in utopia. Politicians are selected, pre-selected and screened by the system, the establishment, before you even hear their names to vote for. And they will never go in and change the system of their central banking system, their, their credit system and their debtor system and, and their taxation system. So that way they can keep borrowing and borrowing from across whoever they borrow from and then the taxpayers guaranteed to pay it back for them. That's not bad, eh? And all the top countries do the same thing. It's one system. The countries that were not in on the act as I've said before, since at least 2001 onwards, <laughs> have been getting demolished because they, they, they didn't have their central bank. They were not part of the IMF or the World Bank, etc. And uh, they've been getting demolished. And they're still in the process of getting demolished. Another one's still to go. To be a uniform system worldwide. That's what they're after. Most of the news we get is nonsense. We don't get news anymore. We didn't get a lot of news before, actually. They would give you a bit more. You'd have, you'd have different reporters in, in, in parliaments and, and, and government, Congress in the US, and, and they'd report on things. There's not so much of that anymore. You get, you get trivia, nonsense for news. That, that's the substitute for news. And what, what people in Hollywood are doing, that's news, supposedly. 
or sports. So very, very cleverly, very cleverly, no time at all, as they gave you the internet and had big, big meetings before they, they gave you the internet, they said, well, you know, there's be all kinds of information going on, getting swapped back and forth, different sides of things. We don't want to lose control. Well, what do we do? Well, you wean them off what's, what is news and you give them a substitute. Little by little, until the news substitute is the news. And that's what you have today. That's what you have today. Most, most newspapers now have more photographs than actual articles in it. And that's meant to, to take your time up and so on. And have you just perused their, their, their rags forever, looking at photograph after photograph. And some of the papers that copied the British system, which is basically, it's called the tabloid system, where going way back, the Mughals in Britain came up with the, the almost naked female kind of idea. Now it's all down the sides of the newspapers. One after the other, these strange creatures, scantily clad, hardly anything on, and all holding iPhones to their faces, so they're half they're half human and half iPhone, and it, it, this new strange symbiosis that seems to be the modern woman, apparently according to the newspapers. But we're living in these times where perception management is incredibly strong. There's more and more specialists dealing with creating our points of view and opinions very slickly, so that we don't have to be bothered actually thinking through anything for ourselves and coming to that conclusion that they want you to have. It's very, very good. And, and, it's, and it's good for the, the general population because they, they, they like to play. They've been trained, trained to avoid that which is unpleasant and to look at the positive. It's called the positive. Now, the positive is what your, 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 your controllers want you to have. A positive outlook on everything. And that way they can do as much as they want and you won't really be concerned with it, whether they're going bombing across the world or killing across the world, uh, which always results in side effects and blowback of mass refugees coming across the Europe and so on, which also is part of the big agenda. But the general public are kept fairly quiet and entertained, with cheap entertainment, lots of it though, and lots of distractions. Just be happy. You're told be happy, and don't think about these things. And if you think about it, if people had an understanding of what was going to happen when the Bolsheviks took over the Soviet system, created the Soviet system, and the multi-millions that would get slaughtered and wiped out, a whole class was wiped out. That was the boast of a few of them at the top, including Trotsky. You know, and. Where would you just look at the bright side of things come into it there, you know? Same thing with World War Two, and you had the rise of, of Germany. But at the same time, you had the, Britain was in a strange position in itself. It was, it was almost in between the not quite remake of a modern society. It, it didn't even recover from World War I. So it was stuck between a feudal system and the remake of, of the system into this new progressive idea. Interesting now, too, they're still talking about with the Brexit idea. We'll, we'll have a new universalism, a, a, a global society, and Britain will be at the head of it, leading the charge, basically, 
Well, what's changing here? What is changing? And I've read all the articles over the years about it too and mentioned it all so many times. Uh, I'm not going to go over it again, but the fact is, whatever happens, whatever happens with Britain, it won't be for the people or, or for the, the good of the people. It, it's for the, the, this strange, strange city, the city of London. That's this big Wall Street idea with the, where the, you have Cleopatra's Needle and Obelisk everywhere and the, the four major banks all next to, all pretty well opposite each other. This strange city that even has a system where a queen has to get permission to come into it, this, this square mile idea. Awfully interesting. But you'll never get all the answers to it because you're not in you're not in the big club at the top. It's a corporation, but so is your country a corporation. Your townships are all corporate. Anything you have an office of is something which is incorporated. But most people don't even know that. They don't know. And governments don't fall over themselves to inform them either. But when you see these symbols all over the place, and that they have terms now I've noticed on the internet, they've got this, they've got psycho, psychoactive, I, I guess, yeah, psychoactive is one of mine actually. It, it, it's image imprinting, that's what it really is. Of these somber big critters and creatures, almost gargoyles staring down at you to make you feel awfully small. And to give you the clue there's something else going on here. Along with all of that, you're given this idea that you get to vote every four or five years. And you're in control. And nothing is further from the truth. Nothing at all. But it works well. Because people really do believe that somehow that vote that they have is going to change any overwhelming, massive system for the better. For your betterment. That's what you think. And it doesn't happen that way. Back to eugenics again. In the 1800s, they talked about it in the Galton Institute and, and uh, all, the, all the ones around Darwin, of course, and going back to Malthus, that idea. That was all part of the same system. And the big problem was, oh, there'd be too many of the wrong people. Too many of the wrong But people get it wrong. They get it wrong because you're throwing red herrings here and there. It's the old idea of, of don't look at this hand, look at, you know, look at that hand on stage with the, with the magician with the gloves on, white gloves. And, and you're given these little bits of truths, but it's also a red herring. Well, say, well, you know, Kissinger came out with that depopulation thing for the, for the third world countries. Uh, that would be a problem in the future, he says, blah, 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 you know. But the, the people who control the world have this club. And they truly believe in the survival of what they call the fittest. The fittest aren't boxers and so on. The fittest are those who get married by carefully selecting their spouses from other families who are equally as wealthy as themselves, generally, and who've held on to their wealth and their power or prestige for a few generations. That's the, the real club at the top. The little characters at the bottom uh, that run about with their, with their pant legs up at the bottom, 
these guys are the novices. They're, they're, they're the outer portico, as Albert Pike called them. They, they're almost the same as the, 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 the profane. They don't know much at all. But they're still handy. But the real system, as I say, is a, is a class-conscious system. Pike and others say the same. They give you the clues. They give you the clues that you have to use your own brain. You're enlightened. The, the old stories, too, you get from Bacon and other ones, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Things like that. And that goes way, way, way back to even the ancient times, that saying, actually. But it's true. It's awfully true, in a sense. However, you can also make people blind, and they never like to talk about that. And you make them blind by telling them what everything is before they even get a chance to work out for themselves. Awfully good that way. You're free. You've got all the rights in the world. You can make your own life and destiny. Blah, 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 blah. And all those ones that are way above you are just lucky people that fate shone on them and they became awfully, awfully wealthy, just like winning the lotto. And that's how you're trained. You're in a system and getting back to eugenics and depopulation. The reality is the people who terrified the Galtons and the crew around the Galton family, and they're all intermarried, by the way, uh, with the same, the same bunch of people. And they're already practicing eugenics way back then. I've mentioned uh, the different families, like Wedgwood family. And uh, uh, they became Anthony Wedgwood, Ben, etc., in politics, etc., etc., and have titles. But they, they literally married in the same family for generations. Two families intermarrying, intermarrying, intermarrying. And... They weren't the only ones, of course. They, were, they really believed that they were, they were selectively breeding, in a sense they were. But they also wanted to change and order and control and rule over society for their own good. Again, there's that, there's that arrogance thing again of for their own good, you see. And don't forget, to go back to the 1800s, poverty was everywhere. No pensions for the people. No welfare system if you got sick. No, no insurance. You, you couldn't get, afford that. No. Workhouses and so on. You know, they even, they even sold a lot of the children off. The, the waifs of London and, and other big cities. They sold them off across the sea for farm labor and other means as well. Canada brought lots of them in. I've even got a list of the prices they paid for them to bring them into Canada. Free labor, eh? And people think <laughs> the whites were not slaves, eh? Never mind the ones who were sold off too for stealing bread and so on. And Ireland as well did the same thing. You get deported for trying to feed yourself. There's many, many ways those at the top can have their, their way and get their way. And it always involves economics. Someone always benefits. 
someone always benefits. But it's how to train the people to see it the way that you, they want you to see it so you don't come back on them and complain. And so they gave them titles like, like poor unfortunates, people on the streets and things like that. And don't ever forget that that wasn't a long, long time ago. Charles Dickens wrote about it too. And yet Wilberforce and others as well. Where children were brought up in factories, so, so stooped over, some of them hunched over in cramped little places, they were permanently hunchbacked, some of them. Terrible, isn't it? So don't think that I could never return again somewhere or other. Human nature is a very, very repeatable thing with its techniques and with its ability to fear or to hate. And you'll often find those who, who themselves have been persecuted at some time. And I don't think there's any people out there who haven't been persecuted at some time. And there's always a bit of truth on all sides. Same with Scotland for as an example. And in the Highlands of Scotland, they were massively <laughs> uh, genocided, you might call it. Yeah. The Highland clearances and so on. Massively so. And they were, literally. After, after uh, the, the battle at, at Culloden, the last rebellion in Scotland, against the British army, and a good part of the army was actually Southern Scottish, they were hunted down, whole families that lived there for centuries after centuries, time gone way, way back, wiped out, hunted down to be killed off. And that was the orders from the top. That's why it's so empty today. But during that time, naturally, as well, they had to enter a tribal or clan war occasionally. They occasionally, some, some of them would eventually raid down over the borders or go south of Scotland to Scotland and steal cattle and so on, or even go out in England at times too. So there's always other sides of everything. And when anyone's attacked anyone, there's always going to be bitter resentment for generations sometimes, many generations. But today, the only chance you would have to stop that happening again is not to carry the grudge forever. Because behind the grudge of being the victim is always the danger. Always the danger. The gang of psychopaths at the top of your own group will use that as a cover for their own operations and for their own craving for power and money. Because corruption is rampant in society. And human nature Every group has them Every, There's not a, not a people or a nation across the planet That doesn't have a psychopathic population From the guy in the street Who smashes a window And grabs the stuff out the window To the guys who get into politics Into banking Or whatever it happens to be The top of corporations The CEOs And they become powerful no, There's no country does not have them Forget your philosophies or, or, or your political systems like communism. You get the same groups going in wherever the power is. Psychopaths smell it and they crave it and they get in.
That's a dangerous thing. Dangerous. And they can get whole countries fighting each other. And once people start killing each other, it continues like a self-perpetuating. Because emotions are, are now working over time. There's always a group at the top benefiting of it all. Almost like vampires sucking it off, sucking the energy and enriching themselves. That's the kind of cunning I'm talking about to get for those who can see in the dark and get up the ladder, who then benefit by being in the big club. And if you have the right qualities, you can really rise in those clubs, really rise. And the beauty of all things is to rationalize everything, isn't it? And getting back to eugenics, that's why you have this whole idea of global warming. Now it's climate change because you can't keep the warming going, especially when you're freezing to death. But facts don't matter. It's, it's to give themselves control over everything you do and how you live and if you'll even breed in the future. That's what it's about. Total control. How else can they get you to give up bit by bit by bit all your rights to you're managed by a massive, massive bureaucracy across the planet? And that's what the Club of Rome said, remember? How to control the people. And they were given the task of finding an excuse so they give up all their rights. Well, warfare is one. Everybody obeys awfully well in warfare. And things like that. They say, no, this is the idea of climate you know, change and, 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 and causing drought and famine, war and the like, that would fit the bill. Plague and pestilence, all, all that, the old stuff. Always works for, in century after century. Right, all back, be, be back to the early religious days too, biblical days. Pestilence, drought, famine. That would fit the bill. And that's what they came up with, and they've run with it ever since. And they'll never stop it. But remember, first world countries, remember this. The people that want to eliminate first and reduce in population were their own countries. Because that's whom they feared. They weren't afraid of people from Africa. They were afraid of the unemployed in their, in, in their own countries, naturally, you see. H.G. Wells was terrified of losing status, becoming poor or sick or something, and ending up on the street amongst the workers. He used to watch them every day going past the house. And he was afraid of these people who were dirty because they worked in dirty conditions. And he'd picked up the snobbery from his mum, who was a maid, a housekeeper, in a posh house for a rich family. And they, they gave him good education, etc. And realized that the guy was a good little psychopath, and, and he would. He would push the agenda. And he joined the Fabian Society. Well, actually, he helped create it. But again, the Fabian Society was just a left-wing organization of the right-wing organization. There's only one body that controls both wings. One system. And I could prattle on forever, of course, but the fact is, it's a rare individual, and it is a rare individual, who has a chance of seeing in the dark by themselves. Some people can. Without joining these fraternities and clubs and groups and get fancy titles bestowed upon them. And uh, uh, yeah, it's awfully tempting, isn't it? It's a rare person, very rare person, who has 
an affinity, a kinship for basic humanity of all kinds. You know, Julian Huxley was uh, very open about uh, eugenics. He was a member of the society, a founding member of Planned Parenthood, very open about the world's system they could bring in and the need to call back populations and unfit and all the rest of it. Very open about it all. But he also said, one of his big speeches, that apart from training a whole world system, that's UNICEF for intergenerational indoctrination across the planet eventually. So children were guaranteed to have all the same ideas, opinions, and think the same way and have the same input, basically. Uh, to what's going on in the world according to what it was indoctrined. Their indoctrination, in other words, would be prevalent across the planet. There would be no individual thinkers. That was the idea for it. It's still on the go today. But he says there have been a lot of people, a lot of people who have helped us, he says, in this movement. He says, but even they, a lot, many of them won't be saved. Because he's talking about almost like a, a time would come when they, when they had won across the planet, this whole idea. But... It was to start to reduce and reduce and reduce the population from from the useless eaters, as Bertrand Russell called them. But but as I say, Julian Huxley didn't stop there. He said eventually many of who've helped bring this about would be eliminated too, much to their own surprise. So it's a very finely graded, degreed system all the way up to the top. That's what he was trying to say. Many of them have this idea of a pragmatic system. And of course, when you hear the elite talking themselves, amongst themselves, that's how they talk. It's, it's all pragmatic and common sense to them. Well, you just have to do this, you just have to do that. And, and what they're having to do is, is horrific if people at the bottom could hear about it. But that's how, how they talk. It's, to them, it's pragmatic. They have no, they have no scary ideas of... An, the, the all-seeing eye that they make sure that you see is, is, is to put the fear of God and, and death into you, but not to themselves. They, they, they have no, no worries at all. They don't believe in any of that stuff themselves at the top. Not at all. But they have pragmatism, as I say. And in pragmatism, you don't put emotion out there. It's just what has to be done. Prince Philip said it too at different meetings about the culling of herds of animals. And I think if it's like get too numerous in a certain area, then disease will break out and this will happen and they'll start killing each other, yada, yada, yada. He's really referring to people. But he's also referring to the fact that these are the techniques you can use to bring the populations down. Russell was more to the point where he talked about war can bring them down, releasing Plagues, like bubonic plague, actually mentioned that, would bring the population down and so on. Today, you, you see that you're going sterile in the West. And you think it's all quite natural because no one tells you otherwise. <laughs> and because you've been taught not to think for yourself. And if your masters don't tell you in all the scientific papers, well, you know, this is a big puzzle, we're working on it. Or if they don't say you know, anything at all, then you won't think about it either. It's kind of like the idea of World War One. Do you think that any soldier on any side would have joined up if they knew they were definitely going to get killed? Of course they wouldn't. They all joined up because all sides t- always tell their men, oh, you'll be home by Christmas, it won't last long. And they've got a romantic idea 
through at that time, back in World War One, it was through cheap books they would put out all the time and plays in the theatre and things like that, where you often did your duty and the woman would always love you for it, apparently, and things like that. Very simple, very simple technique. And you find that they would go rush off and, and get into the trenches and and then when they were told to get up when a whistle blew and run over the edge, like a whole solid line of people, maybe three or four deep, all running across that line. They couldn't lie down, it wasn't allowed. And they had heavy equipment on their backs as well, backpacks. And they had to, the idea was to get to another trench, they run all their way through the mud and so on. But the thing is, they had to run through machine gun fire. Machine guns could fire six to eight hundred rounds a minute. And both sides had them, heavy machine guns. Every ten feet sometimes from each other, one after the other. And they just go left to right, left and right, and mow their body down. Obedience, obedience. Also disbelief that they would get killed. Otherwise you wouldn't go. You're kind of dumb. You, you, what could you gain if you knew you were going to get killed? Nothing. There'd be no point to it. And that really, it was no point apart from the mass killing, which is awfully important too, because there were people who wanted the mass killing. H.G. Wells mentioned that too. He said, at the end of World War One, he says, well, they haven't given up all their sovereignty, all the countries involved. We need another war. And then after World War Two, the end of it, I should during it at the very end, they had a meeting in London with the king, supposedly presiding over it, about the, the population problem and how they want to bring it down. And the Second World War wasn't even finished. But you're taught to love these people. Awfully good, isn't it? The indoctrination is awfully, awfully good. And yet they have nothing in common with you, these people. And if you go back into real history, they never had anything in common with ordinary folk. Never. Never. But just propaganda today. And they humanize them through propaganda, never through fiction, to the public. As I say, they wanted the populations in their own countries down, because if, if, they, if the unemployed, or, or even, even the population increased at all, uh, to a certain extent, they believed that they'd, they'd, they'd just go, the people would rampage through the streets and kill everybody. So you bring down your own population first. That was always a way of it. Population control. We're going sterile. That's not by chance. The farmers at the top aren't concerned about it, which means they know what's causing it, which means it's meant to happen. And that's how we're managed. They call it humanely because if you're in ignorance like an animal, then it can't be cruel. That's how this, they've, actually, they've actually said that in some articles, haven't they? And that's a system we're taught to, to respect because we can have fun in it nowadays, about fun. You, you don't have just the same, not just the same worry in some countries about ending up on the street. Not immediately, anyway. You, know? you might end up there eventually, but the fact is at the moment, most folk get some enough in, basically. Most, not all, to, to keep themselves going. And you're getting lots of cheap entertainment, as I say. Lots of distractions like never before. It's not all there to, to, to keep you happy. It is meant to keep you distracted, big time, all of it, rather than, than think. And also to shape the, the, the direction of a culture and the, the, the normative qualities of the culture. 
That's why marriage is out the window pretty well today. Awfully successful war against it as well. Then you don't breed that way, you see, so not as much. And single parents are more apt, if they don't get government backing, financing and so on, they're more apt to have abortions, so population's down again. It's all worked out that way. All of it. I could go much, much deeper into it, but I won't tonight. What I didn't want to mention tonight, I didn't even mention it ramble this long, actually. I was sitting wondering what to even prattle about. And there's a few articles to put out there, but because uh, the news is just terrible now. It's not news at all. It really isn't. And the hows and whys of why things happen are never really given to you, not the truth. Never, ever. But you have a few articles, and I will mention some things just to keep you, give you something to look into. One I want to start off with is to do with a, I mentioned before how Britain, for instance, is going down the tubes with, with its, oh, it's, I don't know how it's, well, put it this way too, it's managed that way. There's folk getting millions today, millions of pounds a year in their salaries, for God's sake, in some parts of London, for instance, and a few other big cities, not many of them, but a few are. But the rest of the people are, are they really, you know, they're getting taxed and taxed and taxed to, to pay off debt, which can't be paid off. It can't. It's not meant to be. Compound interest is not meant to be paid off. It has to keep you in slavery forever. Including generations of slaves paying off the previous generation's debt. That's a definition of slavery according to Thomas Jefferson, remember. Anyway, I mentioned about how the hospitals are a mess now, for instance. And they do an awful lot of propaganda, like Canada does too. Ontario is awfully good. A few years ago, I remember reading an article that Ontario spent... I think it was 40 odd, so it's millions, millions of dollars to tell the people and propaganda how good the system was. Can't, can't remember the exact amount, but it was big, massive. Well, he's a cancer patient in Britain now. I've mentioned it before, they've had people in the corridors and so on, lying on the, on the floor <laughs> with a blanket around them and things like that. But cancer patients, see if, you, if you've got cancer, now you're, you're, now you're in a bottom category. You're in the bottom category. If you're not wealthy or people of high standing, you're going to be, you get the minimum quality care anymore. That's how it's, that's eugenics again. That's secular humanism too. It's one and the same thing, in fact. So, cancer patient, 49 years old, was forced to sleep in a cupboard. So I put it up. This is after life-saving operations. It took his stomach out, this guy. Due to a bed shortage, as the National Health Service continues to buckle under the pressure, it says. Amazing, yeah? But again, like every other country, everybody wants to be a millionaire, and the doctors do too, and the specialists as, as well. And the folk who now manage the hospitals are the same. Everybody is so incredibly greedy today that things have to fall apart eventually. But the poor get it first. Or ordinary folk, put it that way, get it first. Ordinary folk. But I'll, I'll put this article up for you to see. Also, you've all heard about Facebook. Are you really surprised with Facebook? Come on, you're, you're shocked. With all the, the different exposés of the past to do with Facebook and Google and all the rest of them, collecting all your data. It isn't, it isn't just who you're emailing. It's the whole contents of everything, for goodness sake. And you help it all, too, with your <laughs> the fact that uh, you keep using them. Even though he called the, the, the all silly efforts before, you, and here it is again, of course. And in today's paper, they say he's not too worried because, he, again, he's pretty sure they can get their cost their shares back up again in no time at all. The public adapt awfully quickly, don't they? They don't want to leave it and uh, 
I mean, you know, they might not get their likes and dislikes and friends talking to them if there's no Facebook. Goodness sake, right? And they couldn't tell everybody at the whole world about what they're doing that day, like it's so important. So anyway, I'll put that up about Facebook backs off its creepy plans to secretly access private medical records hmm, and match the data to user profiles. Your governments, by the way, across the world, Britain's got two different hospitals have been teamed up with Google and, and probably Facebook too, but Google for sure. I read the article a few years back too, where they get to access all your medical records for free and without your permission too, by the way. You're managed, you understand? Eugenics, again, you're managed, folks, managed. And also, Facebook suspends a Canadian political consultancy firm, Aggregate IQ, it's called, over links to Cambridge Analytica. Again, they try to put the blame off, but you think they're cleaning up their act. Of course they're not cleaning up their darn act. Of course they're not. <laughs> Information is part of the agenda. That's why they create people like Zuckerberg. If you think they actually make themselves, forget it, folks. This is an old technique. I also put up an article. Actually, it's a report from 1994 from the U.S. Senate to do with basically inquiry into the, the U.S. using all kinds of bio-warfare techniques, experimental stuff, plus drugs and different kinds of pharmacy on the population, basically, and troops for years and years and years, for over 50 years, testing things without their their consent and so on, or their knowledge. Now they can do it because they passed a law a few years ago which gives them the right to do what they want on the general population. <laughs> If it's for in the nation's interest, this is a. But I'll put this one up too. Another one as well to call Dark Winter. Good article actually, but it was about a big, big um, uh, exercise for for controlling the thoughts of the public across the Western world. And supposedly as a response, if they ever had a, a bio warfare attack by some terrorist country, this is in two thousand and one before nine eleven happened. And every uh, major TV and, and newspaper sent uh, people there to participate and find out ways where they would willingly deceive the public on what was happening. And uh, it's called Dark Winter. I'll put that one up for you too. And Britain, for instance, again, too <laughs> interesting. They come the feral gangs, wild gangs, are a bigger danger than terrorism. And the criminals online boast of shooting and stabbings and inspire the next generation of gangsters, say crime experts. Well, they, they knew this was all going to happen before they brought lots and lots of them in. And they've been doing that for a long time now. But they knew this. They knew this. You must have the same kind of chaos across the world to, to, to manage it and bring in a global system, which will have all of you at the bottom amongst rubble and security teams all really well paid and given extra privileges to keep you all in check. And an elite way above it. That's how it's to be. Also, you got sl- slow, steady waves keep the brain humming. Testing, of course, on um, very slow brain waves and how what they're really used for in the mind and how they connect things together. These slow brain waves, very, very important ones. They've been testing one on animals and different things too. Not because they want to make mice any happier, is to, is to find if they can do the same thing with people because your 5G system's coming in, the Internet of Things, and you're going to get bombarded with them. That's the real purpose of it, because they know they can actually stroke their brain, as they call it, make you passive, or make you anxious, or whatever they want you to feel, they can make, you, make it happen. That was all tested out, by the way, back in the 1970s, and Brzezinski was so confident of it back then when he wrote his book, Between Two Ages, the 
the technotronic era. And also put up Google and Amazon patent creepy SPY systems that use cameras and sensors in your home to know everything from your mood to your medical condition. And it's all, it's all good for you. You'll all love it. Also, a whole bunch of articles on 2030. That's when the next next part, a big part of the Paris Agreement is to happen every 15 years on the Sustainability and the Biodiversity Treaty. They update it for the next 15 years and put a whole bunch of plans that must be enacted before the 15 years is out for the next meeting. Well, you'll find, too, it's not just all the biodiversity. It's that raising the crops of, of and the generations of students from school who are trained in what they have to be taught in their indoctrination. So education goal 2030, everything is 2030 right now. I'll put that up too and a stack of stuff on, on all of that actually. And Canada's off track for its Paris climate goal, they say. Of course, naturally, they always say that to make get more money out of you. And policies can close the gap, says $150 billion annually. So that's what the big boys want, you see. And it's all nonsense with their statistics and graphs and charts and, and nonsense. But it'll work because it's eugenics, bringing you down, taking all your rights off you, and bringing a new system in, which, of course, the elite will profit off you mightily in the process. Money for nothing, eh? And your gas for free. And enhancing Canada's climate commitments, building on the plan, Canadian framework. Now, I'm using Canada because it's a framework for a lot of other countries, too. And a whole, again, layer, massive layer of pseudoscientists uh, who, who can, with good imaginations, can just earn awfully good livings off all of us. That's the system, parasitical system we live in today, isn't it? Scan of emerging issues, government 2030, another one, just report after report after report. And pan-Canadian framework on clean growth and climate change, yada, yada, yada. Again, going back to Club of Rome which goes back to the eugenic society of how to take the, the rights off of people, blah, 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 blah. So we're the enemy of the planet. We're going to kill the planet off, so we've got to take our rights off us. And these guys appoint themselves to manage you. Pretty good idea, eh? I'll put that in there, too, for those who want to know. And electromagnetic uh, radiation safety it falls back in with the 5G and the stroking off your brains and your long waves and all the rest of it. It all works together, and that's why you've got to be like the owl, see in the dark, and start thinking for yourself and connecting the dots. The big boys do it, and they always smirk and wink at each other when they catch on, and it's time you all did too, and stop just being passively managed. Well, for myself, Alan Watchman, here of Canada, where it's, again, still got lots of snow out there, and it's cold, and because of global warming, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. 